0: Welcome back to Leadership School. My guest today is Chris Kelso. Chris is the author of this book in front of me here. It's called Overcoming the Imposter, Silence Your Inner Critic and Lead with Confidence. Chris is a friend of mine. We met over a year ago through the Nashville Entrepreneur Center where he was my advisor and coach as I was getting started in my entrepreneur journey. I reached out to him looking for some advice and one of his pieces of advice was here's this book that I wrote, Overcoming the Imposter. And I thought, okay, well, I'll go check it out. And it really made a significant difference in my life and really helped me thinking through, okay, what is imposter syndrome? What are these lies that I'm telling myself about not being good enough about being a fraud uh, or being an imposter? And it really worked, talked me through that. And Made a significant difference in my life. So I thought, you know, this is something that all leaders deal with. So we should talk about it. And Chris and I are going to have a great conversation talking about what is imposter syndrome? What does that look like? How do we actually overcome it? What are we really afraid of? And, and what steps do we need to take to move past the imposter syndrome and really get some amazing things done in our life? This is a great discussion. You definitely want to listen in closely and do me a favor share it with your friends. Tell everybody about it because you never know, could change their life too. Welcome to the Leadership School podcast. I'm your host, leadership and self-care coach, Kyla Kofer. Here at the Leadership School, you'll hear leaders from around the world sharing their stories and expertise on how to lead with balance and integrity. Our goal? Teach you how to be an extraordinary leader. Thank you, Chris, for joining me. I am so excited to have you here. Um, I have, I met you, it's been at least a year ago now, and I've just really admired you. You've got your book, Overcoming the Imposter, behind you, and I've got it on my shelf up here, and it is one of the first books that I read um, when I started my entrepreneurship journey, and so I'm really excited to talk about that, talk about you, and talk about this today. So welcome to Leadership School, and thank you for joining me.
1: Uh, thank you so much. I'm I'm really glad to be here. I've been looking forward to this conversation.
0: Same, same, same. So um, we already said that you have a book, but why don't you go ahead and just introduce yourself and tell us about you, about your book, all of the important things.
1: Wow that that's a that's a loaded question. You're at risk of running way over time just asking me free just open ended like that.
0: It's worth the risk.
1: Yeah, <laughs> Chris Kelso, two time entrepreneur turned executive coach, keynote speaker. Um, I have had a long, twisty, turny, windy career that has been driven by my curiosities and interests and has resulted in me going from being a software developer many years ago to now coaching owners of small businesses and doing leadership development work and speaking to some fairly large audiences on occasion. And and then, as you mentioned, I recently uh, published a book. Uh, called Overcoming the Imposter. And it's all about the entrepreneur's journey and battle with imposter syndrome, which is something that I experienced in my career. And then I saw it so often among my clients and uh, the other entrepreneurs and leaders that I was you know, connected with and in relationship with that at some point, I just felt like something had to be written about this. And I couldn't find a book that talked specifically to my tribe to entrepreneurs to creatives to innovators and uh so it it became a compulsion that i felt like this book needed to exist and it didn't so i had to take the responsibility to write it and that's what i did
0: i love it when things like it's like the universe is speaking to you and in a way that you just can't ignore it because you are the person that's supposed to do this and i like that you listen to that it's pretty cool Yeah, I really want to get into this book and we're going to talk about imposter syndrome, what that means for leaders. And we can probably talk about this for a long time, a whole book's worth of information today. But (laughs) I want to start differently today because I always ask every single one of my guests the same two questions. And I think I just want to start by asking you those questions. Um, because I've known you for a while, we met through the National Entrepreneur Center when you were actually I reached yeah. out to you to coach me and advise me and your advice was so helpful. And we became friends and um, connected yes. through that. And it just has really meant a lot to me. But my questions that I ask is the first one is, what does integrity mean to you?
1: Mm. To me, integrity means that I'm only one person. And what I mean by that is I'm not a different person in different contexts, in different social circles, in different, um, in different circumstances. I, I, I'm not going to say that I get this perfect, but my goal and my, my, my stride is to be the same person everywhere I go. Um, So I'm, I'm not a different person at work than I am at home or at church or with my parents or, um, you know, I use the very similar language. I tell a lot of the same stories. I behave in the same ways. I'm, I'm just one person. And to some degree, I think that's um, just me being lazy. I don't have enough energy to manufacture a bunch of different personalities and try to put different masks on, (laughs) but, but You know, beyond that though, I I think really that is my definition of integrity: is you get what you get. You are getting Chris Kelso today. There is no variation or uh, or you know alternate version of me that you can invite to be on your your podcast and do this interview. You're just going to get the one version of me that there is.
0: Wow. Um, that is the first time I've heard someone say it quite like that. And it's really sitting with me because as I'm growing into adulthood more and more, um, just becoming more and more of my own person, I am getting closer to being able to do that because I have always had a hard time with that. So you're really making me think and it's making yeah. me step back and realize, oh, I could tell you for sure that I have not ever met with that exact definition of integrity, because I would tailor myself to the audience that I was with at the moment, because I've had a lot of conservative relationships and a lot of more liberal relationships. Mm -hmm. And so I'm like, cautious. And sometimes I think that's out of respect for the person that I'm around. But sometimes I think that's out of fear of what they'll think of me. So that you're doing that. And you can say that so boldly makes me go, yeah, that's what I'm working towards. So that's that's a really great definition. Thanks for sharing that.
1: Thank you. And, and, you know, let me be clear that there are certainly certain circumstances where a particular way of behaving or a particular, uh, you know, where where certain things are inappropriate, right? And so I'm not saying that I, you know, go into situations where you need to be very respectful. And I'm just, you know, super casual, like I might be with my buddies. Uh, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about wearing masks. You know, I'm talking about Presenting myself as a different person than I really am, or trying to uh, please others, or you know, engender myself to someone by performing for them in a certain way. Similarly, I would say that in different when when you're speaking to different audiences, you do have to tailor your communication to what's going to be effective for the people you're speaking to, right? So I might communicate differently if I'm talking to a group of youth or children. Or if I'm talking to a group of business people, or if I'm talking to a group of you know new parents, or uh, or something like that, and so there again, I'm tailoring my communication for their benefit so that I can communicate to them well. But I'm I'm not trying to be a different person.
0: Your character is still the same.
1: Yeah, my character is still the same. My values are still the same. Um, that, and I think that's a big part of it. And I'm I'm sort of thinking out loud about this as we talk. Is that I think it really comes down to. Um, I'm not going to change my values or behave based on a different set of values in a different circumstance or for a different set of people.
0: Yeah. Okay. So that, that helps a little bit because I'm as I'm thinking, I'm like, well, that I've done. I mean, I definitely yeah. have not changed my values for different things. I might be quieter about them in a certain situation than I might be in another. But Yeah. Um,
1: there's a time to speak up and there's a time to just sit back and be quiet, right? There's a time to intervene in a situation and there's a time to just let things unfold. There's a time to help someone and and try to save them from their own uh, foolishness and then there's a time to let people fail and learn on their own journey. So yeah, you have to have wisdom about when you should act or not act. But again, based on the same core values and the same uh, being the same person and not again, I think it comes down to putting masks on and trying to please people or deceive people uh, based on a circumstance.
0: Yeah. I think you you hit on that keyword of wisdom. Like that's the wisdom in um and in, in growing and learning who you are and learning your environments and um mm. and just learning about what's the impact that you're gonna make in this world and how you're gonna go about that in a in a way that brings honor and integrity to the people that you're with. So I think that yeah. sounds that sounds really great. Well what about my other question here and let's move on is um balance. You know, you're a person. You're a dad. Uh, we were talking earlier um, before we hopped on this call about your son just graduating from high school. So you're a dad. You've got yes. a book. You're a coach. You're uh, have a lot of different things going on. So how how are you maintaining yeah. that balance um, of and healthy well being with all of those things?
1: Well, I'm I'm really glad you asked about balance and not work life balance because I. <laughs> I just have a dislike for that phrase, right? So many people talk about work-life balance. And to me, that puts work and life at opposition with one another. And, and I don't think that they are. Work is a part of life. It's an important part of life. And it's a part of a healthy life. And so I think you know, my, my thoughts about balance, similar to being just one person, is that I just have one life. And I have to bring that life into balance. But... The key principle about balance for me is is you know when you say the word balance, sometimes people think about um, that balance is something you achieve and that it's like stationary. You know, if you think about balancing a, uh, a a yardstick or an item on a table or on on some sort of stand or something, you're you're trying to get the weight just right, and then you let go carefully, and then you don't touch it because it's in balance and right. you don't want to knock it out of balance and. And that's balance for a stationary object, but humans are not stationary objects. We are in motion. So I think of balance being less like, you know, being perched like a seesaw and trying to, to sit very still and, and, and have it perfect and more like riding a bicycle. When you're riding a bicycle, you're balancing. You don't, you don't have balance. You are balancing. It's an active process. And in fact, most of the time you're riding a bicycle, you're not perfectly in balance. You're making thousands of micro adjustments to maintain balance and you're adapting to the circumstances, the situation. Am I going fast? Am I going slow? Am I turning? I have to lean into the turn. I'm shifting my weight to lean for a period of time. I'm I'm gonna, you know, sit differently as I'm riding uphill and working really hard versus when I, you know, am going downhill and I can sort of let off the the gas pedal, so to speak. I'm mixing metaphors here, but I can, you know, stop pedaling so hard and I can uh, take it easy a little bit and maybe let my hands off the handlebars. And so, I, I think of balance as an ongoing effort. And the thing that I see people do that I want to try to avoid is. Is they get so far out of balance that they have to make these huge adjustments? You know, I'm going to quit my job so I can focus on my family, or I'm going to, um, you know, get rid of all these things so that I can um, get more centered and and get rid of stuff and and whatever it is that you find out is way out of whack. And 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 if you have to make that kind of adjustment, then kudos for doing it. I think that's great. My goal is to not get so far out of balance that I don't have to make those big adjustments. And so I have to make lots of little adjustments. So I guess to sum up this rambling explanation, I think of balance as an ongoing process of self-evaluation and making micro adjustments because I'm in motion like a bicycle rather than perched on a, on a stand on a mantle.
0: Yes, I feel like you just nailed it. I am so excited to hear this. Because I cannot tell you how many times I've had clients be like, balance doesn't exist. And I'm saying, yes, it does. Mm. It absolutely exists. It does. But it doesn't exist in the way that you think. And I have not thought about this um, description of the bicycle. And that's really brilliant. And I'm probably going to steal it Mm. giving you credit, though. (laughs) But I just think that is really brilliant.
1: Go ahead. Take it. It's great.
0: It is. Because balance isn't about having like everything perfect all the time it's about yeah. finding different spaces um to use those things yeah. today you might have to spend more time resting because yesterday you spent a lot of yes. time doing um today exactly. you might have to spend more time with your family because tomorrow you might have a really big work day you know so so finding yeah. those rhythms i think are really really important mm-hmm. and i that description of the bicycle and making those micro adjustments. That's brilliant. Um, and it's so what I work through with my clients all the time is let like, let's look at where you want to spend your energy and your life and doing that in a way right. that makes sense and is sustainable for a really long time.
1: Yes. And in doing that, there are seasons where you're leaning one way or the other. Just like you said, you may work really hard for a period and then you may take some time off for a period to rest. And you find balance in that shifting, not in trying to maintain perfection a 100% of the time
0: perfection. I think you just w- used the key word to transition us into talking about imposter yeah. syndrome. Yeah, that was a great transition. So I love that you've got this book up in behind you because um, a lot of imposter syndrome is talking about the sphere of not being perfect enough in my mind. Um, yeah, And it's, yeah. it's funny um, thinking about how familiar I am with this term now, especially after reading your book. It's such a great book, man. If y- Y'all need to go read this book. It's so good. Um, but Oh, thank you. It really... I remember when I first started my entrepreneur journey that I had never heard of this term imposter syndrome. In fact, I had reached out to this group, this Facebook group that I'm in, and I said, have you guys ever dealt with this thing called fraud syndrome? Because I'm really struggling mm-hmm. here. And they were all like, what's that? You mean imposter syndrome? And I was a little embarrassed because I didn't get the term right. <laughs>
1: And I thought, uh-huh.
0: oh, oh, okay, that's what it is. <laughs> I just couldn't think of the word. Which just that feeds I'm- your
1: imposter syndrome because you didn't know what you were talking <laughs> about, right? I know,
0: it did. It did. But it, it really gave me this like, um, moment of at least speaking up and saying, something's not right here. Like, I keep hitting these walls of, like, I'm not good enough. I'm never going to meet it. And, Um, I'm going to let you tell about your book and stuff, but I I do want to say about one story that really stuck out to me in your book was when you talked about somebody in a high level job was getting an award and how he felt like he didn't deserve that award. And he didn't want to go up on the stage and get this award because he wasn't good enough. And, and you were like, wait a second, (laughs) you, you are, that's why you're getting the award. And, and it really made me think that everybody's experienced that you've
1: put in the work you've earned that. Yeah. And specifically, that story, he, he was earning the award alongside another person who this other person was very well-connected. And and what he said to me, this literally a conversation we had, he said, that, that guy can pick up the phone and raise a quarter million dollars like nothing. And because uh, this was part of a nonprofit that he had served on. For years, this guy had served on this nonprofit. And he had worked tirelessly to raise money and do things. And he said, well, they should give the award to that other guy. He can, you know, he can raise money at the snap of a finger. But you know, I'm just, uh, I'm just sort of here in the trenches and doing the work. And and I challenged him. I said, well, what if he's looking at you thinking, I don't deserve this award because all I did was make a couple phone calls, and he's been working his tail off, and he's been doing all kinds of stuff. He's been, he's been at this for a decade, and I just, you know, came in and raised a little bit of money, and 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 just sort of turning the picture around for him you could see it on his face. He was like, I had never considered the fact that he might see it the opposite as me. And so often that's the case is what we are looking at as the thing that makes us inferior or makes someone else superior. They may be looking through the opposite lens and see it exactly the opposite. It's kind of like if you, if you take a pair of binoculars, you know, and you look through one side and everything looks really, really close, and then you flip it around, and look through the other side, everything looks far away. Somebody else is looking through the other side of that lens that you're looking through, and they're seeing a very different picture than you are.
0: Hey, one of my goals here at the Leadership School Podcast is really to provide you with a lot of resources that can really enhance your leadership. And one resource that I found recently is the Humanitarian Entrepreneur Podcast. So I wanted to refer you to go check them out. What the humanitarian entrepreneur is doing is they're talking about what does it look like to do good in the world, but not exhaust yourself and burn yourself out and not be completely broke. You know, can you invest in yourself? Can you be an entrepreneur, but also change the world? And how do you do that? Well, so go check it out. Let us know what you think. I think it's a really great resource and really believe that you're going to benefit from it. Yeah, well, let's explain real quick. In case anybody was like me, and it was like, what's fraud syndrome, imposter syndrome? I've not heard this before, you know, because um, as leaders, I am sure that we've all experienced it and just not really realized it. So why don't you go ahead and get into some of the details here? What is imposter syndrome? Why are we experiencing it? Um, and, And let's just talk about that a little
1: so this, this term imposter syndrome was coined in the 1970s, actually. This is not a brand new idea. And, and occasionally, someone who has not heard of it before thinks that I came up with this because I wrote a book on it. And I'm here to say, I, this is not my original idea. But um, there's been a lot of research on this phenomenon. And, and basically, the when you are struggling with imposter syndrome, um, you look at other people's success... Really, you tend to overvalue other people's success and undervalue or even doubt the reality of your own success.
0: Which is what this nonprofit guy was doing, right?
1: Which is what was exactly what he was doing. And so it's this feeling of, you know, I'm an entrepreneur, Kyla, you're an entrepreneur, but I could look at you and say, well, Kyla's made it because of she's smart and she's savvy and she seems to have a plan and execute it really well and and man, she just seems to know all the right things to do. And she's just, you know, her LinkedIn is blowing up and look, she's got a podcast and all this. And well, my success, I mean, yeah, I've had some successes, but boy, it sure has involved a lot of luck and timing. And man, there's a million ways that I have made mistakes and just ha- figured a way out around it. Um, and half the time, I'm just making it up as I go. And And so what happens is we feel like, maybe I'm not really legit. you know. Maybe all these other entrepreneurs or these other leaders or, or all of my peers in, in my company where I work, or maybe all these other people really know what they're doing and I'm just sort of fumbling my way through it. And at some point, I'm going to do something really stupid or I'm going to make a mistake. And everybody around me is going to go, hang on a minute. You don't know what you're doing. You've just been making this up as you go. And And I'm going to be exposed as a fraud. And and so that's the feeling of imposter syndrome is I'm not legit. Everybody else seems to know what they're doing. I'm just sort of fumbling my way through, figuring it out as I go. But the reality is most people are doing that. And statistically, here's what's interesting. Many studies have shown that 70 to 80% of the population encounters imposter syndrome at some point in their career. Mm. They feel like they're not legitimate, like they're inferior, like they're a fraud or a phony to some level.
0: Isn't that so funny? That's such a high statistic. And I'm thinking, well, nobody else has thought that. I'm the only one who thought that.
1: Yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. and And here's the kicker. It tends to be more prevalent among high achievers. So you would think, and I've had some pushback on this. People said, really? I would think that, you know, entrepreneurs and innovators and people that are pushing the boundaries and taking risks that those are those people are confident those people are are brave and bold and and you know you would think it would just be sort of the everyday joe that would have imposter syndrome that would feel like a fraud and the reality is that the the sort of everyday person that is not pushing themselves that is just content to punch a clock and and do a job and collect a paycheck and go home and watch tv all weekend and come back and do it again they don't feel like a fraud because they're not really aspiring to much. <laughs> they're not trying to do something. They're not pushing themselves. So the reality is the more you're pushing yourself, the more you're stretching, the more you're adopting a growth mindset and trying to learn new things, the more likely you are to experiment and, um, and to, you know, try to do something new, like develop a show and, and a, a podcast and record interviews with people and, and, and go learn things. The more you do that, the more likely you are to find yourself in a situation where you feel like you're in over your head, where you feel like you've man, I've I've gotten myself into the situation and I don't fully know what I'm doing and I'm I'm really just trying to figure it out and there's a lot of other people around me that seem to know what they're doing. Maybe I'm a fraud. And so that's that's basically imposter syndrome.
0: Yeah, and when you said there's a lot of people around me who seem to know what they're doing, you know, I think once you get into those situations or um as you're pursuing a new goal you're surrounding yourself more in that specific culture or community so like Um, now that I have this podcast, I'm noticing who's got podcasts. How are they doing their podcasts? Right. I go to a podcast meetup group and I see other people doing podcasts and you sit there and go, oh, well, they've been doing podcasts for 20 years or they have twice as many followers as I do. And you think, oh, well, I'm not good enough for this. But no, it's just that now you're in that group of people who are doing the same thing. And so it's a different perspective. Yeah. But they have all every single one of them have thought that at some point.
1: Yes. And and here's the thing is success puts you in the company of other successful people. So, you know, you've you've gone to some podcast meetups and you've networked with some other people who are doing shows. If you ever do become sort of you know, the quote best of that group, whatever that means. <laughs> and I'm using air quotes. You know, if you if you get to the top of that heap, what that's going to do is it's going to open up doors for you to go be part of larger groups with more successful people. So trying to compare yourself to others is sort of this never ending cycle of as soon as you achieve what you think is, you know, getting to the top, there's just going to be another mountain that's much bigger for you to go try to climb. And so There's a lot of value in those communities. There's a lot of value in getting around other people that are doing what you're doing and learning from them. But you cannot fall into the trap of comparing yourself to them or judging your value or your success based on where you are in relation to other people. Um, One of the biggest learnings in this process of writing this book and doing this research is I've finally come to the place in my career where the only person I care about being better than is me yesterday. Hmm. As long as I'm improving, as long as I'm moving down the road of my journey of of, of my career and my work and my success, as long as I'm growing and, and learning and changing, then I'm successful. and yeah. And that's the only benchmark. That's the only yardstick that I need to use to measure myself. Is am I better than I was yesterday? Am I improving? And you know where Kayla, Kyla is on her journey, or where you know Tom or Joe or or Sally or whoever is on their journey is it has no bearing on my journey or my value.
0: Yeah, well and then you're getting to okay what does success mean? Um th- and what does success mean to you? Like success to you does not mean I'm going to be like for me I'm a leadership life coach, transformational leadership coach. So like success to me might be that I be like Tony Robbins. Well, I don't really want to be Tony Robbins. So that would not be successful to me. Um, You know, like there's a lot of things that Tony does that I really love and would like to do. Like I love doing events. I like um, changing people's lives, all of those kinds of things. I can see the same types of things that he can see sometimes. So I get that, but you know, well, I would want to replicate him. Like I want to be me, not somebody else. So that success right. is going to look different just because I'm different, you know? And, um, yeah. And, and saying that I'm never going to be good enough because that other person is so great. Well, Tony Robbins has got like 30 years on me with coaching. You know?
1: Right. I can't match right. that. Yeah and and even when you have those same 30 years you've got a different journey than he does yeah and you're on a different path and you're going to pick up things along the way that perhaps he hasn't and that that's going to make you unique and 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 yeah so when we try to emulate someone else we try to follow in their footsteps and, and take on their career their success etc we're we're really losing what's unique about our own story mm. and we're we're using the things that are going to make us different and are going to allow us to help people that Tony Robbins can't reach, right? They're going to be people that for whatever reason, they connect with Kyla more than they connect with Tony Robbins. And I'm not trying to knock Tony, but you know, you've got something unique to offer. And if you're just trying to emulate and replicate him, you're going to lose those things that actually allow you to help somebody that you're made to help. Yeah. And certainly we learn from other people i'm not saying that it's not good to watch what other people are doing and and what's working and and to learn from their successes and from their mistakes right if if they've got some things figured out and they know what doesn't work well let's take those shortcuts that's that's great but we don't want to try to measure ourselves based on how close are we to their version of success or to their bullseye. I'm not shooting at anybody else's target. I'm shooting at my target. I'm learning from others while they shoot at their targets, Mm -hmm. but I'm shooting at my target.
0: You know, I think this is really important, especially as we can talk about how this applies to leadership. You know, if you're taking on a leadership role, especially if you're taking one on that somebody else has just done and they did well and you're following behind them, that can be a really hard place to be because you're going to think, oh, well, I'm not doing it like they did. Or when you've taken on a new job, a leadership role into a job that's just new, um, Or maybe you transitioned from you were the best salesperson, and now you're the leader, you know, you're the manager, that kind of thing, those types of transitions. uh, It can be really easy to go, well, I'm never going to be good enough. I'm never going to be as good as that other person. And I'm like, well, why are you talking yourself out of that? They gave you the job. (laughs) You know, they somebody yeah. believed in you and yeah. you would have not received that job and let them decide. You just show up and do your best and care about people and um, use these skills that we're teaching you here at leadership school. I mean, we have talked about so many different topics in leadership school. This is just one great one. And in using these skills, just as long as you're doing what you said, being better than you were yesterday, trying, showing up, making that effort, um, you don't have to be afraid of not being good enough.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And there's there's always room there's always room to grow and to improve. And but again, that's trying to improve on who I was yesterday, not who someone else is. And continuing to have that growth on my path of of success and growth and learning.
0: Yeah. So, what do you say to someone who I mean, we've kind of said it, but I mean, if I'm coming to and I'm going yeah, but <laughs> that, yeah, mm-hmm. but, but I don't have a degree. I don't have this. I don't have that. Um, it's all the, all the, I don't have's or I'm not. How do you over, how do you overcome it? Then you, you can tell yourself all day long, well, it's not true. It's not true. It's not true, but really I still have to move past it and get the job done. How, how do we do that?
1: Well, the, there's two primary fears of imposter syndrome. Um, and, I'll give try to give these to you as, as succinctly as I can. The first fear is the fear of failure mm-hmm. and, and more specifically, the fear of failure in public, right? That I'm going to make a mistake and that is going to sink me. I'm going to, you know, do something wrong or say something wrong, use the wrong terminology and suddenly that's going to tank my career or I'm going to be set back or people are not going to trust me or respect me anymore. And, the way that you counteract that is to reframe fear as a learning opportunity, or reframe failure, I should say, as a learning opportunity, right? So I've developed uh, a mantra that when I attempt something new, when I'm trying something, there's there's one of two outcomes that I'm going to experience. And that is that I'm either going to succeed or I'm going to learn, Because failure is a great learning experience.
0: Neither of those are failure, success or learn. I love... Right. I love... I wish I could pull the quote up right now. I posted on my LinkedIn the other day. um, And I think I've actually even mentioned it in this podcast before of... His name is Tawny. He was um, the New York State Chess Championship for his age group at eight. He was the chess champion. And he said this in his book, I Believe in Miracles. He said, you know, um, either I win or I lose. But when I lose, I learn something. So... Either way, I haven't lost anything.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly right. And, and so, you know, failure is failure is learning, and learning is part of the process of achieving success. So, therefore, failure is part of the road and the path to success. And you have a great example in that, in that, that chess champion. Um, There's plenty of great examples from the sports world, Um, you know, Babe Ruth who had all kinds of records including you know home run records and things like that he also held the career record for strikeouts and his rec- his strikeout record stood for 30 years until it was beaten by a guy named Mickey Mantle what those so Mickey Mantle took the strikeout record from Babe Ruth and that is such a great example of failure is learning because when a, when a baseball player, if you don't know a lot about baseball, when a baseball player is at the plate, it is it is kind of like a chess match between the, the batter and the pitcher. They're trying to figure out what's the pitcher going to throw? How's he going to throw the ball? What are his tells? How can I tell what strategy he's going to try to use against me um, so that I know where the ball is coming? And every time a good batter strikes out, they learn something about the pitcher that they're up against. And that is going to help them the next time they face that pitcher to be able to hit the ball uh, or to have a you know a better chance of hitting the ball and and getting on base. And so strikeouts, you know, Babe Ruth had success because he took big swings and he had strikeouts with a lot of those big swings, but he also had a lot of home runs, a lot of RBIs, scored a lot of points, and you know, is almost universally considered the greatest baseball player to ever live. And he struck out more than anybody uh, in, his, in his time. And so he saw striking out as a learning opportunity. And that was part of what enabled his success was learning so much about those pitchers by swinging at those balls and, and having to accept a few failures along the way.
0: Hey, thanks so much for listening. Since you've listened this far, it tells me you're really enjoying the content. And I'm so, so grateful. I work really hard to bring you some awesome resources to help really enhance your leadership game. If you're liking this, can you pause really quickly, make sure you're subscribed, but then also share with one person or more people who you think could really benefit from the content. My goal is to really bring this into some of the top Podcasts on leadership in the world, and you can help get there and help us grow by sharing this with everyone you know. Thank you so much. I'm glad you're enjoying the episode. Yeah. Well, so if we're not afraid of failing itself, and we take that out of the equation, there's still that little piece of public mockery. I might not be afraid yeah. of the failing itself, but I might be afraid of the opinions of others and the way they treat me. And yes. we live in the age of social media where people are horrible online, yes, you know? And yes, so sometimes that can be, I mean, not sometimes, but that can be debilitating when you think, okay, people are going to just yeah. berate me for not being enough. Well, they yeah. might, but that's also might be their problem if they're jerks to, to talk about you like that on <laughs> social media.
1: <laughs> that's right. And you're hitting on the second fear. So I said, there's two fears. The first is the fear of failure. The second one is the fear of vulnerability. You know, imposter syndrome is the fear of being exposed for who you really are. And this is a hard truth. The way you combat that is to get vulnerable, (laughs) right? If I am honest about what I know and what I don't know about where I have succeeded and where I have struggled, if I'm honest about my successes and my failures, then there is no more fear of vulnerability, it's like you've, you've taken that weapon away. When that voice inside your head, that inner critic says, you're at risk here, people are going to figure out. You just say, they're not going to figure it out. I'm going to tell them. I'm going to say, hey, I'm not sure what I'm doing here. This is new for me. I'm learning something. And you know, I'm really experienced in this area, but this area over here, I just don't know. And so one of the things that I've learned to get better at is saying, I don't know. So often when someone asks a question and I, I used to be horrible about this um, especially as a consultant um, you know where I'm considered the expert in a lot of things and sometimes people you know when you're an expert in one thing they try to make you an expert in everything or you try to make yourself an expert in everything and so you can build this fear of saying I don't know you can develop this this sort of gut reaction of any question someone asks me I have to come up with an answer to it even if I have no idea what I'm talking about. <laughs> And so yes. you know I would find myself someone would ask a question and I would find myself trying to talk my way to a cohesive intelligent answer when in actuality I should just say <laughs> you know what that's a great question and I don't know but I bet I can go figure it out and that's the difference
0: the but add that in there
1: yes it that's the key a is the is you can say I don't know but I can figure it out and so this is where personally, my confidence over the years has shifted from being built on what I have and what I know to being built on what I believe I'm capable of so that I can say, I may not be an expert in that, but I I can probably go learn it or I can go hire the right people to help me do that right and well. And I can be confident in my ability to go marshal resources and go find experts and go get training and go learn and study things, or even to decide that something is just outside of the realm of, you know, my expertise, and I need to outsource it, or, you know, to, to make those decisions, my confidence can be based on that, rather than being based on a false sense or appearance that I know everything and have everything figured out.
0: Yeah, it really is on confidence, you know, have once you're more confident in your role and your environment, um, and then you have the confidence that you can find a solution for it. I might not know the answer, but I'm going to find out for you because it's important. And I need to take care of this because it's part of yeah. what I'm doing. It's part of my job. It's part of the situation. My role as a leader, whatever that is. Um, I don't have the answer, but I'm going to find the solution. And that's powerful. People people will trust you to find because they know that you will find the solutions. And if you can't yes. figure it out, then you're going to say, we're going to work on this together. We're going to put the right people in place to figure this out because this is a problem we have to get through it but no problem was ever solved by people snapping their fingers you know people had to learn how to solve it right. we everybody's had to learn how to do that
1: yeah and you know you just hit on something really important which is trust hmm. people will trust you more when you're vulnerable and authentic when you say here's what i know and here's what i don't know Here's what I'm good at and here's what I'm not so good at. Here's where I'm trying to grow. People will trust you more when you're honest about those things and they respect leaders who are vulnerable and authentic much more than they do the ones that try to look like they have it all together and they have it all figured out. Because the reality is when we when we try to answer those questions that we don't know and we should just say I don't know but we, you know, we ramble and we try to, you know, sound really intelligent, people see through that so easily, you know it's so obvious when we don't know what we're talking about and people know it and they don't respect it. And so boy, I've just I've learned and, I, and I, you know I'm not gonna say I'm perfect at this, but I try really hard to be really fast, really quick to say I don't know. And the interesting thing is you can even start a, a, an answer or a, a sentence with I don't know, but here's what I think. I don't know, I'm not the expert, but here's an observation or a theory, right? And that is so much more real and easier for people to, to ideate and, and converse about than me saying, well, let me tell you, this is what this is the way that, you know, and then still just give you a theory or something off the cuff that I haven't really thought through. So just starting with, you know what, it's a great question. I'm not the expert. I don't have a lot of experience there. Here's one perspective or here's a theory, but I'd love to go test that theory. And I'd love it if anybody else in the room knows any more about this, that, you know, let's bring the experts to the table and talk about it. Um, I'll be glad to share my opinion, but I'm going to call it an opinion rather than try to pretend it's fact, and that I know what I'm talking about.
0: Well, and I think you just talked about, uh, gave a really good definition of leadership too. Uh, leadership isn't about being the person in the room with all the answers. Be- being the leader is being the person right. in the room to direct everybody in getting the answers.
1: Yes. Yes. That's a great distinction is leaders help people find the answers as opposed to just being the source of the answers all the time. I had this conversation with a client just today in fact now that I'm thinking about it about the that when you're when you're a business owner in particular if you're the CEO and you founded the company it's so easy for people to assume that you've done every job that you know the business in and out that you understand the market and all the things that they don't fully understand it's like the the leader must know what's what all the things that I don't know because that's why they're the leader right uh-huh. and so often leaders are sitting there listening to the questions they're getting from their staff from their team and they're thinking I don't know this stuff any more than you do like this is this is new for all of us right where where is the market going what what is this going to look like post pandemic or post this or that i mean leaders don't necessarily know that any more than anybody else but they feel pressure to perform and to have an intelligent answer to try to like, somehow they're trying to give their team confidence by, by saying something meaningful. And yet they can actually erode their team's confidence if they're unwilling to just acknowledge, I don't know everything. And some of the stuff we're going to have to go figure out together, rather than just relying on me to be the answer person.
0: And then there's no need to be the, to be huddling in a corner with your hands in, or your head in your hands going, I'm not good enough because I don't know the answers. I can't do yeah. this. People shouldn't be looking to me. I shouldn't be the leader. Like, there's no reason to ever have those lines of thinking because, well, first, none of them are true, um, but also, like nobody knows what they're doing. So we're all in this world just trying to figure it out. And usually people are more preoccupied with themselves than with you. I mean, unless they're like paparazzi, I mean, nobody is preoccupied with you as much as they are with themselves and what they're trying to do. So if you can be the person in the room to say, we can do this together, then you're the person that people want to lead them there and to tell that story and pull them in that direction. And there's no reason to go, well, I'm not good enough to be in this role. It's you are because you're just bringing us all together and pointing us in the right, the right direction. And, And it's not about being good enough. Like there there's, there's no good enough. Like that doesn't even exist. Like, are you a good enough baseball player? Are you a good enough waitress? Are you a good enough author? Like, what what does that even mean? Who's setting the standard for that? There is no yeah, I mean, it's not like there's yeah. a gold standard line that just exists out there and you've got everybody has to meet up to it and we're all trying to get to it. Like you said, that mountain, there's always another mountain to climb. There's there there is it's not there. It's only there when you have decided that you've reached that that pinnacle of where you want to be. Yeah.
1: And and those the the artificial standards that do exist. You know the awards or the the credentials or the the this or that the mountains that people try to climb, thinking that that's going to fulfill them and satisfy them when they get there. If you talk to most people who've achieved those things, they will tell you that it that it's a pretty empty feeling on the other end. That there's you know a moment of satisfaction and enjoyment and gratitude, and then suddenly they realize you know that didn't change my life near as much as I. Thought it would. And, and especially if my self esteem is based on those things, then I didn't get the boost of confidence that I thought I would get from that award or that position or that title or that credential.
0: Well, when you think about it, too, that award is just going to be a moment like uh, Super Bowl. OK, you win the Super Bowl, but then there's another one next year. Like and you can yeah. say, yeah, I've got so many Super Bowl titles or I have this one. That's great. But once the game, the big game is over, then what are you working towards? Well, you're working towards the next year and trying to get another one, you know, and and seeing who can get the most, that kind of thing. You're competing within yourself, too. It's um, there's not an end to those kinds of things. I remember talking to somebody who had um, a whole entire wall putting behind me at my wall, but they had a whole entire wall full of awards, you know, like in the picture frame with the plaque, you know, with the the, the certificate there yeah. and um, they had this whole wall and they were still saying, yeah, well, I'm not good enough to be doing this. And I said, your whole wall tells right. me otherwise. And they said, yeah, well, there's there's even more than that, but there's, you know, they're, they don't really mean anything. And I was like, wait, yeah, w- wait, what? I mean, you have clearly achieved some things and that person didn't see it at all. So, um, I think that approves your point that it comes from high achievers, of always trying to see, to achieve that. And my question to her just was, um, well, when will it be enough? Like, when will you reach that?
1: Mm, What will
0: good enough look like for you?
1: Yeah. There's always something, there's always something more. I think I, I read a study one time, um, and this is on a little bit different topic, but I think it really correlates here is the, there was a, a survey that was put out to ask people, how much money do you need to make to be happy? And the average response, the, the overwhelming response was about 10% more than I make right now. Like it wasn't a dollar figure. It was a percentage more. And it's always a little more. So most people say, I need to make a little bit more and then I'll be happy. And the the reality, of course, is there's somebody who makes twice as much as you who's saying, I need to make a little bit more in order to be happy. And I, so I think achievements tend to be the same way. You get that award and then you realize, well, either you feel like it, it wasn't as hard as I thought it was, so it's not as meaningful, or, you know, I I realize that, you know, yeah. Now what? Or you know, there's a next one, or there's somebody that's got one more than I do, or or a different one than I do. So there's, it's just again, it's falling into the comparison trap, right? You're comparing yourself t- to other people or to other benchmarks, um, and so I've just learned to to compare to me. Yesterday, am I improving? Am I getting better? And uh, and what's the journey that I'm on? What's my definition of success? Mm-hmm. And and am I working towards that? And then, you know, back to our original conversation in that process, am I, am I maintaining that balance that those micro, uh, those, those micro adjustments that keep me flying down the road on my bicycle, leaning into the curves, moving when I want to, enjoying the downhills, working hard on the uphills. You know, I'm on my journey and I'm adjusting for that rather than trying to emulate somebody else's process.
0: Oh, Yeah. Oh wow. Well, I think that kind of sums it all up there. <laughs> I think that's really beautiful. Um and just just realizing that um this journey is our own and we own it. Nobody else owns it. We do. And yeah. um and if we feel like we're not good enough, like what I think there, that's going to take a lot. And that's what I do with my coaching, you know, it's a lot more of that internal reflection. Well, what's what's causing you to think that about yourself, you know? And um and and that's what you talk about in your book and is you are good enough. You've already met that. You are not an imposter. You are the real deal, and you are already there. You're already doing this great thing, um, and people are looking up to you and respect you. So, what is it going on with you that's making you think that, um, Chris? You know, you also do a lot of leadership co- coaching, and as we wrap up here, um, you know, is there anything that you would really, anything else that you really feel like leaders need to hear?
1: that leaders need to hear. You know, I, I think I'm going to go back to that, that vulnerability piece of the more you can get real with the people that you lead. Mm. Um, it's, it's bad enough that people put their leaders on a pedestal. Um, don't put yourself there. <laughs> You're just giving yourself a higher place to, to sort to fall from. Uh, and, and that's, you know, falling from mentally and emotionally and, and, and all of those things. So, um, be honest and real with the people that you lead. They're going to respect you more. And I, I've, I, I did, sh- I shared some great stories in the book of, you know, how I sort of learned that lesson of vulnerability. I can actually help people a lot more and do more good for people when I'm honest and genuine than when I'm, you know, the the Instagram version of myself. When I'm just showing the highlight reel. When I'm just talking about the accomplishments. Um, I, I, I've I've talked about I haven't actually done this, but I want to write a version of my bio that you know has just as many failures as it has successes. You know, for every for everything it says about companies I've led or positions I've held or boards I've sat on or whatever, it also will say. And then you know, he tried this and it was a miserable failure, and he you know was terrible at this thing that he attempted to do, and he's you know never gotten a podcast off the ground, and he's you know this or that. Um, cause I just think a, a bio like that would be just be so much more real rather than the highlight reel that we typically see of, of ourselves and of others, uh, in bios and social media and promotional pieces.
0: I love that idea. And it's funny because I actually think that that would be really funny. Like I wouldn't read that as an, I would never read that as a negative thing. I would see it as humorous. Like, yeah, yeah. He, he, all these, Things happen, but still look at him. He still has all these great accomplishments. And who didn't fail this thing? And oh, that makes me feel better about those 17 times I failed. And, you know, I think, I right. think that's a great yes. idea. I'd read that bio.
1: Yes. All right. I'm going to noodle on awesome. that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, let me know. We can always add it to the show notes.
1: <laughs> there you go. There you go.
0: Yeah. That's awesome. Chris, this is just wonderful. I've always learned so much from you. I'm just continually grateful for your coaching your wisdom advice um, in your book, everybody please go out and get yourself a copy of overcoming the imposter by Chris Kelso. And I believe there'll be a link in the show notes where you can do that. Um, But it is just really great and wonderful. And um, I just really thank you, Chris really appreciate it.
1: You're welcome. You're welcome. And if, if people are listening and they're unsure about whether to invest the money in the book, you can get a free sample chapter of the book and, you know, unlike sometimes when you get a sample chapter and it's the first chapter that just sets up the problem and doesn't really tell you how to solve it, I'm, I shared, I think it's chapter seven from my book, which is one of the best chapters in the book. You can get that for free at overcomingtheimposter.com. So go check that out. Um, it's, it'll, whether you ever read the entire book or not, that sample chapter is really, really valuable. And uh, so you'll get a lot out of that.
0: That's awesome. That's really generous. Thank you, Chris. Thank you so much. Um, Is there anything else you want to leave us with?
1: No, this has been so much fun. I appreciate you inviting me on. And it's been a great conversation and great to talk with you again. It's been far too long. Let's do it again soon.
0: Yeah, we'll definitely do it again. Thanks, Chris. Thank you for joining me on this journey to grow in our leadership. If you enjoyed this episode, you've got to check out the leadership and self-care coaching programs on my website at kylakofer.com. Let's change the world together.